The views and opinions of authors expressed herein do not necessarily state or reflect those of the United States government and shall not be used for advertising or product endorsement purposes. Welcome back, Seat 41A listeners. We now continue our talk with Josh White from the Hero Front Podcast. Check him out wherever you listen to podcasts and at HeroFrontPodcast.com. And now, back to the show. This is going to be like my favorite episode ever <laughs> of our show. Like, this is awesome. I love this. I appreciate that. Because <laughs> I was going to come on here and just, I, I don't, I've never been a guest, right? Like, I, I don't talk this much. I don't get to. I usually ask the question. So I got to say, I'm very thankful to be here and talking with y'all. You have great feedback, great questions. And I, I'm having a blast just knowing you guys and knowing that, you know, I have three new friends, medic friends in my life who are are really awesome dudes. So thank you guys, too, for having me on here. Absolutely. We, we couldn't be more thrilled. I don't know if anybody else had any more questions, but I, I'm really excited to see what questions he had for us. Yeah, sounds like a perfect time. You want, me, you want to roll into my questions to y'all? Definitely. Okay, so who started this podcast? Who was the main person? Ooh, that's a good one. So technically, I think that credit would go to Manoj. Well, yeah. The, the it's not podcast. technically, it's definitely. <laughs> it's okay. <laughs> well, uh, and, uh, if, for a quick backstory, yeah, these these two are avid readers. I'm not as much, but I'm best friends with them. And they were like, we like post-COVID a little bit, I guess. Anyway, we were going to get together and just talk about books. And then I had just started listening to more and more podcasts as we decided to get together on Zoom and talk about books. And I was like, hey, why don't we just record this and post it on our MSC page? I think other people enjoy it. And yeah, that's how it took off. So yeah, that was probably me. Okay. So first question would be to you then, man. Um, You know, speaking from experience, it's very difficult to be an active duty member and start a platform in which you're sharing thoughts. There was a time where that was like unheard of, right? So we're kind of in new waters now. Now, I'll tell you something even more rare. I don't see many officers on podcasts. I gotta give I, I gotta give y'all the ultimate shout out for for doing that, for taking the helm and, and leading by example. I really want to thank you guys for doing that. But my question to you is where did the the idea come from? Why were you so passionate about it? You obviously care, you're still doing it to this day. And were there any pushback? Was there any challenges in this whole process? Or has it been welcomed with open arms from day one? So from my experience, I would say, you know, like I mentioned before, the the reason we started is because we just wanted to get together and talk about leadership books, especially the ones that were on our core chiefs reading list. And I thought the podcast platform was a really cool platform to get information out there, even if it was actually newsworthy and stuff that was actually making us smarter or listening to one of my favorite podcasts, Smartless, which is just like celebrities just talking with other celebrities. And it's like, okay, this is funny. And they're having a good time. But when we talked about the first book that we had talked about, I was like, I'm sure other people would enjoy hearing this. And I think we're three more or less relatable guys that have a lot of MSC friends that would, and, and we're very friendly guys that people like listening to us too, and just picking our brains. And why don't we just pick our, pick each other's brains and let other people listen because they could get something out of it. And for me, I, I absolutely love talking and mentoring 
and guiding young medical service corps officers as they come in. I absolutely enjoy it. It's one of my favorite things when a new LT comes to the clinic that hasn't either just commissioned from being prior enlisted or straight off the street, which is what I did. And I love just being real with them. Um, like this is how it is. This is what you should look forward to. This is what you should try to do. Giving my experience, and not to say my experience is the the one way, but at least giving them set on the right foot. And not to say I wasn't set on the right foot, but for me, I came in going, "What? What am I doing here? I don't I've never. Nobody in my mil- family's military. I'm joining. I got thrown into the medical readiness flight. I didn't know what readiness was. UTC. What is? What does that even stand for? Like I was so lost. So I wanted to make sure the new people coming in weren't as lost as I was. I want to get them started off on the right foot. And so us talking about leadership styles, our experiences, I really thought would be a cool thing to share, not just with the new new people coming in, but with the our fellow peers and even the leaders, 06s, 05s that maybe have forgotten what it's like to be a young CGO. And they're kind of in a new echelon of their career that they don't they have to think of things in different ways that and they may, may have forgotten what it's like. So for that reason, I thought it would be really cool to put this podcast out there and have other people listen. And if nobody else listens, cool. We're just putting it for ourselves. That's awesome. But honestly, I don't think we've had any pushback. We've had just the opposite. Like uh, our downloads were just skyrocketing for, from our perspective. And um, I even had a couple people email us, uh, new people that are not even MSCs yet, they're trying to commission in and they've heard about a podcast. I'm like, that's awesome. Like, and they were like, we should do an episode on a se- new sessions. I was like, yeah, that you probably should. That, that's a great idea. And, you know, we've had a lot of support from our MSC leadership as well. We had General Flowers on and yeah, he's, he's plugged our sh- podcast on many different meetings and platforms, which has been really cool. And not to say that we are kind of a voice for the core office. We kind of wanted to be our own entity and kind of have that from what I see as like a ground roots perspective of the MSC and what our experiences are and what leadership styles we use day to day, how we come across and deal with challenges. And I really thought that'd be a really cool thing to share. And if it reached other MSCs, great, but if it reached more people, even better. Wow. Minaj, you're uh, I, I love how much you care. Like I, I, I like, I, if I wanted a, an officer boss, if I could picture a great medical boss, like that, everything you've described is the attributes I would hope that person carries. You know, it's not just showing up and okay, what are we doing? Drone, okay, do that, do this. But like you're you're adding such a special touch to it. I think you should really lean into that and keep going. We're lucky to have you, man. So thank you for sharing that. I appreciate that. Thanks, man. I appreciate those words. Absolutely. I, I, I want to jump in with one add-on to this story. Manoj, do you remember after we made our first Facebook post about the pod, the email that we got almost immediately afterwards? And you're giving me a look. I'll I'll just I'll give you a better prompt. It was um, in the senior uh, the senior leadership of our core asking us like who we who we talked to to get approval. For this, oh, you remember that conversation? Yeah. Oh. That's the that is the worst question you could get. Like, there's no, <laughs> there's, what do you say to that? I, like, the question uh, I'll, in I'll, and of itself yeah. is like, you know, not I'm making a fun situation. I, 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 maybe I blocked that out of my mind. I, let's, I'll tell you, I'll tell you what we said. We went on the conference call. We were like, uh, nobody. We're a private entity. Oh, we're kind yes, of doing yes, our own yes, thing. Yes, 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 and, yes, uh, yes, yes. You know, we're not seeking to be the voice of 
of the organization. Uh, we're just people within the organization with a voice. And then they were like, oh, okay, well, sounds like you got a good plan. Go for it. <laughs> Go for it. Yeah, and, yeah, yeah. And yeah, that yeah, was yeah. it. And we were off to the running pretty much after that. Yeah, yeah I, I figured that out too. I mean, as long as you're not claiming it to be the official platform and you're not giving that vibe at all, like you're wearing civilian, you're not in your uniform right now, like you're not portraying that, then yeah, this is your thing. Go forth and conquer. Like it's, it's more simple than people ever realize. You know what I mean? And so I love that you guys are able to make, not let the litigation like hold you down or tie you up. It, it sounds like, you know, common sense was applied. You're making the Air Force and the world a better place through these talks. So keep doing these talks. So I love that. I love that you, you, it sounds like it was reasonably easy to get going. Yeah, it really was. And we're definitely thankful for that. All right, Chris, you're next, my friend. Tell me a time that you seriously jacked. I mean, you failed, you fell flat on your face. And you're like, man, I need to pause. I need to really humble myself and change my approach. So I want to hear a time that you really goofed something up and how you grew from that experience. And it can't be golf related. If it was golf related, we'd be here all night. So don't go into that. <laughs> I don't even know. Well, clearly he does know. Uh, so thank you for prompting that, Manoj. Uh, so just one thing, that's it. I'm only allowed one. One item? No, no, this is your show. Uh, if you so, got more than one, let's make it rain problems. Let's go. I mean, we could, yeah, we could be here. Look at these two are in stitches right now laughing. <laughs> I mean, we could be here all night. Honestly, I, I I, could probably tell quite a few stories about my own failures, whether they're personal or professional. You know, I had had alluded to my own personal struggles with with drinking and alcohol. And, and I think, like, as far as personal goes that that's probably about as big of a failure you can get is not recognizing that you've allowed yourself to have a problem and i'll probably just say and, and maybe this is uh, i don't want to steal the unpopular opinions thunder but um i think the military as a whole has a drinking problem i think it's just so ingrained in our culture and and so you know deeply ingrained in in our organizations that we we say on one hand like we, we want you to get help and we want all of our folks to be healthy, but yet we're not really encouraging that in the way that we approach alcohol and, and drinking. And so me personally, you know, I was not, not recognizing that sooner, I think was my own personal failure. It was affecting my wife. It was affecting my family. It was affecting obviously me. Uh, it was also affecting my work performance. Um, you know, and I, I think the term that is usually associated with is more like high functioning, right? Yeah, you probably couldn't see it on the outside, but uh, there was certainly a lot of struggle there uh, behind the scenes. Uh, so that's probably one thing. Real I think quick if, on um, that. So I've been through that process myself. So I, I would love to hear how you turn that around. Was it a moment? Was it a decision? Was it an event? That's the part that I would, I'm re- very intrigued about. Yeah. So I, we could probably do a whole a whole separate show on this, but really, you'll come on mine and you'll do a whole the, one. So don't worry, it's coming. Well, okay, thanks. <laughs> uh, so, so bottom line, it, it was really. It, I, I can't say there was like one like you know moment in time. It it was really just a decision, and I had just realized. I was like, this is this is enough. Like, I can't. I just can't do this anymore. I had. I had recognized, and there were other times, I think there were, you know, a few times that it kind of led up to like, oh, I, I need to stop doing this. But but at, at one point, I really just made the decision like, this is it. That's enough. I'm, I'm 
I'm done. I'm putting it away. And and actually, so I know Manoj was and and Greg Greg was involved in, as well with the the recovery process because I think I had called Manoj. We were just getting ready to go to his bachelor's party, and I'd called him about 30 days before. It was just like, hey, look, you know, I don't want to like make this situation awkward or change anything. I'm not telling, like, I don't have any problem that anybody else drinks. I'm, you know, it's fine. I don't, I don't really, it's just a personal decision, you know, and he was so supportive of the whole situation. Like, Hey, thanks for, you know, being vulnerable with me and telling me that. And, you know, that was like right at the beginning. So it, it was really just kind of like a, I need to make this decision. I need to own it. And I need to just start to like verbalize, like, this is my now my path moving forward. And it was really a decision. like. Like not, I'm going to get better, and then I can go back to maybe just you know have the the healthy amounts of two to three a week or whatever they say is the healthy amount. Now it's like no, no more, never again. And some of that decision is rooted in a, a book that I had read and listened to by Alan Carr. Anyways, I, I won't go too far into that, but that's kind of just where it was. It wasn't really; it was just more of a I, I've had enough kind of moment, and I recognize this. I just don't want to continue doing this. Like put those days behind me. Yeah. Follow-up question. How has your life changed since then? Has it been noticeable? Oh man. Phenomenal. Unbelievable. It just, I, even if I, you know, I, I'll, anybody that's willing to ask or, or listen, I'll tell them, I wish I would have done this years ago. And I wish I would have realized the benefits of not drinking years ago, just like my mental focus, my energy levels, you know, my, my social engagement, like for me, I've always had anxiety, especially social anxiety, even from as a kid, you know, that's just, you know, rooted in, in trauma, I think. And so alcohol is always, you know, the liquid courage, right. You know, so I always felt that it was necessary to do that, to go to social functions. And for me to be like an interesting person or to be comfortable in social situations and be able to, to talk to people and, you know, two years sober now I'm, I'm doing a podcast. Right. And it's like, that's that's just wild to me. Like the the idea that I would even be doing that, you know, five years ago is just like absolutely not. Like it's just crazy. But I don't need I don't need it to do these sort of things. And and so it it's really just been like having that that realization now is really just uh it's been it's been pretty awesome. And and a lot of my relationships, whether they're personal, professional, or you know, even in my marriage, have just gotten so much more impactful and meaningful just over the, the course of the last two years. So it's, it's just been great all around. Wow. That's amazing. That. Yeah. I'm proud of you for that. And, Thank you know, you. you touched on something that I really, that really resonates with me. And that is you're podcasting now, but you probably couldn't have done this back then. Right. There's something about drinking or having a dependency on it, especially to be social that I noticed pauses your growth in so many ways. Like you, you you're just kind of frozen in time with your self-development and growth. And so once that's removed and you're actually uncomfortable in a few situations, you, you have to now really navigate certain things. And, and through that process, you become so much better at knowing yourself, your confidence level, because you've allowed yourself to feel uncomfortable for a little bit. And now you can live this whole lifetime feeling great about yourself. So I'm in the same boat. I I absolutely hated myself when I was drinking. I had no respect for myself. You know, there's only so many times you could say never again, and then you continuously cross your own line where you don't even respect yourself. Why would you want think anyone wants to hear what you have to say? 
And so, yeah, that, that really resonated with me, just that particular part. Uh, so I'm very proud of you, Chris. I think you're a great example, a great officer for sharing that and having other people know that, you know, there is hope if they're struggling with that. So thank you. Yeah. Thanks, Josh. You, you too. We're, we're proud of you as well for sharing that and like just helping us all create this space to be able to share those experience. And hopefully if we reach one person and we've reached, we've reached everyone, right. That's definitely how I see it. So thanks though. Yes. Okay. Big Greg. We got one for big Greg. Um, <laughs> let's see. I'll give you the option on which one you want to choose, but I would love to know your proudest moment as an airman. Have you been an MSC your whole career? No, I came in enlisted. I did that for eight years. Okay. So well, I've got a two-part question for you then. What was your proudest moment as an enlisted airman? And what was your proudest moment as an MSC? When I say proudest moment, I mean like Greg being Greg and your skills and what makes you you had a tremendous impact on a certain situation. And it had you really feeling great about yourself and what you were able to provide. Dang. All right. Well, because it's fresh in my mind when you were talking about... um I'm not sure if it was you or Manoj was talking about it earlier, but one of the moments when I was an airman was actually in tech school. You mentioned being at Shepard Air Force Base for five months. I've got you beat. My tech school was 11 months mm. at Shepard. That base and that so, base crushed my soul, but I got through it. But man, that was yeah. that's 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 some think, tough, windy winter. By the way, I was yeah. I was stationed there for two years. Okay, can we? I got you all beat. <laughs> He's waiting for you to bring that up. Like, I was like, like who's dying this long? <laughs> two two years. I'm pretty sure I was there. I was there in school longer than you were at yeah, Shepherd. You got maybe. out of there. <laughs> maybe yeah, half he of that found time a way was TUI. Out. Yeah. Anyway, we all we all survived Shepherds. We're all Shepherd veterans. But while I was there, and as a student for so long, we had a a student council that you know was there to raise issues of you know like quality of life things up to leadership and you know i've always gravitated towards leadership positions you know probably part of what finds me where i am now and so i was i was on the student council and i remember i had a lieutenant who was my like section commander at the time and she she was really good at challenging uh, her name is a uh, carrie massini she's had gotten out of the Air Force uh, some time ago, but uh, she was a really impactful to me because she kept putting me in leadership situations that I was not comfortable with. And so one day she came to me and she said, hey, I need you to give a briefing about this the student council to the entire squadron. So that's all the instructors, all the students in the squadron. They're having a whole commander's call, which at the time I didn't really conceptualize what those were. But the point was, I'm going to bring you on stage and you're going to talk for five minutes about what the student council does and how others can get involved. And I had never done any public speaking of any consequence up to this point. What did the audience and look like? Are we talking a massive amount of people? It, it was about 300. Oh, that that's that's pretty intimidating. <laughs> for Yes, for, for an Airman Basic with no anything... No, no experience other than, you know, going to school and taking care of myself. Anyway, I, I don't know exactly what I said because I was so terrified at the time. I do remember I had a death grip on the podium and my leg was uncontrollably shaking the entire time. 
So that that was my my physical and mental state in the moment. But I said words they came across and other people told me that I I was I was speaking English and you know did a good job and met their expectations or exceeded their expectations. And I honestly I I, I blacked out. I don't remember any of it anymore to this day. But what that moment did for me is I have no fear of public speaking anymore. After that, it was just, oh, we need to go talk to some people. I'm in. You know, I would put myself in front of others. I would talk. I would, you know, extemporaneously prepared speeches, whatever the case may be. I would just jump into it after that moment. And so that just was a really profound moment in my life that really changed the trajectory of of my career. I don't know that I would have stayed around in the Air Force maybe as long or definitely would have been so bold as to seek a commission and and go that route. And then, you know, fast forward 20 years and here we are. Uh, the tens of listeners that we have, plus my mom, you know, listen to me speak, you know, regularly. So that's the first one. You look like you wanted to say something. Yes, I did. Um, yeah, I, I didn't know I was, you know, projecting that. So obviously, you know, what came to mind, just you describing that, because that, that, that what you described is honor guard to me, right? Going through those funerals, being there for people. I, I just find it fascinating how you and anyone else can take their kryptonite, their weakness, their fear, get through it. And now it's become your superpower. Like, that's what fascinates me is that something that took five minutes gave you a superpower. I think that's a a pretty powerful thing we should all, you know, keep in mind as we navigate life's challenges. That was also it's more of a statement that I had, but that was all. Yeah, that's a great that's a great way to look at it. I spend a lot of time talking with others and reminding myself about the importance of perspective and mindset, right? And and how every situation has a positive that you can pull from it or something that you can take and make valuable to yourself. And it's really important to my mental health and and I believe to others to seek those things out. We have negative feelings, we have negative emotions and thoughts that that uh, you know come into our minds and that's okay, but we need to move move beyond it as quickly as possible. And so um, you know thinking about that, turning those those scary moments into moments of strength, I think are things that really keep us in a better mental state than the alternative. Absolutely. All right, so I do want to touch on on one officer moment. Back to my earlier job, and we had talked about this a little bit offline about my previous job when I was at Afcent headquarters, and I deployed a lot of people. Or I was the I was the guy who wrote the task order, and then you know, and then the commanders back in garrison, uh, you know, sent their airmen out. But in some ways, I felt very responsible for why those people were where they went to, and so. We've heard a lot of talk about all the things that didn't go well with the withdrawal from Afghanistan. And I was I was a part of that because I got to that job in June of 2021. We withdrew from Afghanistan in August. And pretty much from day one when I got there, you know, my boss came to me and said, Hey, 
we're doing this task. We're pulling all these forces out of Afghanistan, and we need to keep them medically safe through this transition as we draw down forces and the situation becomes more dangerous. We have to have a plan to keep every soldier, sailor, airman, Marine that's on the ground, medically protected and have resources there to uh, to save their lives if needs be, right? And I took that very, very seriously. And it was a lot of hard work. And, you know, I was comfortably sitting in my cubicle, you know, 8,000 miles away from the front there. And there were a lot of great airmen and officers that were doing the things day to day. But it was a really proud moment of mine, just the pieces that I was able to contribute to that event. And then, you know, the bombing that happened and the, you know, the Marines that died just wrecked me so hard in the moment because that was my failure translated somehow into that event, you know, and I I don't bear any personal blame. And like I said earlier, I, I, I kind of got over it relatively quickly, you know, just in feeling that it was my fault somehow that that happened. But it was just, I think, just an indicator of of how seriously I was taking my role in, in that. That was obviously a very negative event, but there was so much good that happened. There were so many people doing really amazing work, drawing that down and just one person, because I, li- I would like to name drop two that just one person that was just a fantastic leader in the moment was uh, Colonel Tom Stamp, who was the medical commander at Bagram and then down to Kabul at the airport. And then, you know, one of the last people getting on a jet uh, to come back home, he was, you know, the calm in the storm there. And anyway, so just some amazing people. And, and I got to be a part of that. And, and you know, it's probably the, the highlight of my officer career. Wow. I mean, that is like some serious real world connection there with that. I think that's a pressure that most people will never experience in their entire lifetime. I mean, that was a historical moment that you had a hand in coordinating. I mean, that is absolutely tremendous. And and Greg, thank you for you know running us through like your train of thought. Like you were so invested emotionally that even this horrible attack affected you and impacted you because that your heart and mind was kind of over there with them throughout your whole journey helping them. Although they weren't even aware of you, you thought about them all the time. So I, I want to thank you for being able to like run us through you know emotionally what that felt like. And Greg, I, I'm just thankful we have people like you on our team who not only can bear the weight of that responsibility, but also care as a human being. I want someone like you who cares to save my life and and has that much thought into it and every decision they make at that level. Like that's that's the type of person I want making that call. So I just want to thank you for for being that person in that moment and sharing that with us. So thank you, Greg. Happy to have done it. I was telling my uh, my two senior NCOs that I were on my team, I was telling them at the time, right, that what we're doing right now is going to be in a PDG a couple of years from now, like like how you, how we used to read when we were studying for promotion about like the Berlin airlift and some of these other things, you know, there's going to be, there's going to be a paragraph about that stuff. And, you know, they're not going to obviously mention any of us by name, but we were a piece of it. And that's pretty cool. 
That is that is cool. I mean, we do a lot of cool stuff, but to be tied to something that impacts the whole globe forever and to know that you had a hand in and in, in doing your best to make that work. I mean, that's I can't even imagine, you know, the pride you and your team have of of running that. I mean, although some folks may have passed away and there's no way to not feel like upset or, you know, you start to question your own decisions, you're a human. That's gonna happen to anyone who's in your shoes. But how many lives did you also save by giving them a safe exit out by putting a lot of thought in the logistics from how many miles away? I think it's about 8,000 8, some. Around 8,000 miles away, you have to coordinate the logistics of this insanely complex operation. Meanwhile, there's the whole you're surrounded by people who want to end everyone's life. Like that is unbelievable what you were able to pull off. And I guarantee you, you actually saved lives with how much you cared in the forethought and attention to detail that you put into that. Well, thanks, man. Make me feel good. Absolutely. I mean, even like I, I've learned that through mental health, they can't ever quantify the lives they've saved. You know, I never thought of it that way. But with mental health, oh, oh, you got this statistic, these many people passed away, these many people, you know, ended it. But there's no way to quantify how many people they've saved. I never thought of it that way. But you have to have faith that it is saving people, right? Like that is worth thinking about. And that's what was coming to my mind when you were telling me how much you cared about every decision you made in that mission. Yeah, that's a great point. You know, it's it's hard to prove the absence of a thing. Definitely. All right, let's close this bad boy out. Time for unpopular opinion. All right. So we've had a, a great opportunity to interview you. And you've done a little bit of interviewing right back. So to close up the episode, really want to hear from you if you have an unpopular opinion that you'd like to share with our audience. Yes, I do have an unpopular opinion. I thought it would be popular and no one agrees with me, thus making it unpopular. Perfect. I have never been a fan, personally, my opinion, of the promotion methods, right? I've We've seen so many different variations and... There's one factor that I think goofs the whole thing up. It's a human's decision. I, I think it's impossible for us to be biased. We're wired to be biased. Whether we say we are or not, it's there. Okay, so my unpopular opinion is we create an AI that decides who promotes. We set the criteria, and that may change based on the mission and the demand, but we set this AI the criteria of what makes an Air Force leader and who deserves to be promoted and somehow capture what everyone has done, reviews everything, that I don't know how that will work. That takes experts. And ultimately, that AI will put out the promotion list and there's no human factor whatsoever in the process. I want to let the IT person jump in first. I'm just going to let Chris go. <laughs> yeah, I was just—I was going to say—I feel like maybe there was some pressure there. But first off, I just want to recognize. I think this is the first time an unpopular opinion has silenced all three of us at the exact same time. That's so, so true. Uh, yes. Well done. Well yeah. done. I'm going to take that as a compliment. Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Absolutely. Um, yeah, I think I'm going. I think I'm going to say I disagree. Ooh. Yeah. Really. I. I yeah. I think the, I think the human element is what, man, it's man. Oh, I really, this is a, it's a tough one because, okay. Wait, wait, wait. Let me, let me, let me say, you think about it, marinate it on it for a second. 
I'm I'm trying to I try to I don't think I have an opinion back yet, but I'm trying to think like if it's AI, I know it's AI. I, I don't know everything about AI, but couldn't someone like hack that? Couldn't you just have like canned statements that you figure out then this person's always gonna promote it if these words are in there, even if it's true or not of the person that actually is those qualities or not? Could is that something like that could be can AI can be like, hey, you, you, as soon as he said spearheaded, okay, yeah, that's like points, you know. Probably, the- yeah. I mean, I, I'm so I'm no expert in AI. Okay, so even though yes, my job is IT. As far as like AI goes, I'm I'm like probably not even kindergarten level right now in in understanding its utilization. It's certainly not how it's built or how it operates. Like, definitely not that. But yes, I think. If it's a piece of technology, there will always be a way to manipulate it to do something that you either want it to do or that you don't want it to do, like use it in an unintended way, right? Which is normally what you would see like a threat actor doing. But I think that I think that that like that statement maybe just assumes that it's way more algorithmic than maybe what AI would act like the full capabilities of AI would would actually be. Because I I think that it would then start to maybe recognize like okay everybody's using the same statements like I I don't I don't know again I don't know enough about AI to know how it would make the decision I just I'm not sure I mean because you still need a human like giving it the input to make the decision and say like here are the things that we we want it like we that we value and that should promote and I just don't know that I would be comfortable teaching a a black box how to how to do that and to make those decisions. I mean, do we want to, you're, you're in essence, what you're saying is that we should trust the future of Air Force leadership to a black box mechanism, right? Because we know what the input is and then we know what the desired output is, but sometimes we just don't know what the hell is going on in between. And I think that's like a big question for AI right now. I don't know if I'm ready to do that. What that is think? fair. The manipulation part that you're talking about, the hacking, you know, manipulated to do one thing or another, there's that's no different in human interaction with the person True. making the decisions. Mm-hmm. Yes, absolutely. Just want, True. just want to throw that out there. You that's were describing both human interactions and the software manipulation. Yeah. They both sound identical. Just want to throw yeah. that out there. Yeah. That's no, that's point. a fair point. So I want I want to jump in and I want to jump in on the side of Josh, but I don't think that you've gone far enough. Oh, snap. All right. So what I think is is that you don't program the algorithm at all. You let the system decide what the future Air Force leaders need to be at, at all those levels. And, that, and that'll be based on historical data, right? Of who has gotten promoted in the past and who hasn't and what factors separated those individuals from each other, right? But also having this AI system pull in what the future military needs that we can't even conceptualize right now and you completely automate it and where the only thing the human is doing is feeding in the data and then supervisors write supervisors write how they're going to write and the amalgam of all of those different oprs or opbs epbs now comes together and you know qualities of a future fight or a future force and what the what the qualities of leadership in in a future force needs right combined with historically 
when people have been promoted, teasing pattern out of their out of their records of when those people have been successful in the future. And outside of like their own personal success, it's like, oh, this person made tech first time, so then they make master first time. Like, who gives a shit about that? I'm talking about success like they led their teams to quantified success and let the system identify things that we can we don't even consider because we can't see beyond our biases no that's i don't even know that'd be like opening pandora's box like it could come back and be like you're doing everything wrong (laughs) i I will probably (laughs) i will probably be disbarred from the imit community for the statements i'm about to make here and I will probably lose my seat as the CIO, but that's okay. I'm gonna I'm gonna die on this hill, but I would rather go back to writing bullets than whatever you just described. That sounds awful. I can't believe I'm even saying that I'm like a Luddite right now. I can't believe that I'm the one that is like absolutely not, no way. There's no no. Uh-uh. Chris is like, Greg, did AI tell you to say that? Be honest. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Who is, are you blinked twice if you're okay he's he's good right. yeah, i'm i'm me i am me uh i can provide uh i okay. can buy, provide proof if necessary but what i will say right is at some point in time the decision's probably going to be made for us uh, but i i just don't i i think the thing that i struggle with here is uh, although I probably agree that I think that like what you're saying as far as the data collection and being able to aggregate things that a board just could not aggregate, I think that that's probably going to be very useful. But how do we quantify the soft skills that are so valuable in leadership and and really especially now like the technical skills are great, but I can teach somebody how to change a light bulb. I can't teach somebody how to to deal with all the people who are changing the light bulbs does that make sense like sometimes but, those things promotion, are yeah go ahead promotion boards today aren't those people don't know you they don't know if you have soft skills or not right they know right. the the crap that's on your performance report right and in your and, surf and and what you guys are proposing is then only entrenching the system that we currently have. It's just making it even worse. You're making it even more defined by just measurable items. So like what Manoj is saying is like, I could then say, if I check these boxes in my career and do these things, I will promote regardless of how much of a toxic leader I am or how how terrible the culture and the climate of the environment is that I create. I mean, unless there's a way, you know, I don't know, maybe there's a 360 feedback that gets integrated into this then somehow, right? So then you're- Or it like catches anomalies and has to scan their brain for whether they ruined an organization (laughs) or they brought it to the next level. It would catch those anomalies and have to really learn and dial in on those anomalies to then adjust its its approach. How how interesting would it be if, you know, like a lot of squadron commanders, right? They're O5s or- if you get out of the medical career field, you know, you got O4s as squadron commanders and they have to do DOC surveys and they have to do all those things. If that data was aggregated into, you know, this O4, say comm squadron commander, they have this record and how that correlates against the the feedback of their team 
and maybe some particular KPIs that are important to that career field, you know, whether they can lead teams to success and whether those teams enjoy being led by that person, you know, all that data could be considered part of the overall picture. All right. Let me let devil's advocate on one more. Boy, Josh, you really did a, a number on us here. I, 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 you fell into my trap. What can I say? Okay. okay. So devil's advocate here. Okay. What if, what if, okay. We, we give this AI, this algorithm, the inputs and say, this is what we desire. What if it comes back and says, none of these people meet those qualifications. None of these people should be promoted. None of them. I think that might happen. Why are we, why are we, why are we giving it criteria that it has to meet? It also designs the criteria. It also determines what needs to be, what there needs to be, and then who should promote in order to fill those needs. If it said no to all those people, I mean, the next logical thing would be how do we get them to like, what are they missing? I mean, this would all be super valuable information. Why are, why are they all going to fail? Why do you think that, you know, what can we do to implement, to get them to this, what you're quantifying as successful and impactful? What's missing? I mean, that would still be really valuable data, even if it said none of them are qualified. What about a parallel system? You know, your, your grade, Uh, your promotion score is half human board, half AI generated board score. And, and then you can do some sort of meta analysis over time on why and where the humans differ from the computers and then which one would have been more right. The two boards, the first board cannot see the algorithm they can't see what the what the ai said they just hold their board independently and then and and then a final board reviews both the outcome of both of those and makes a final determination or or the scores are combined and you know you can be somebody who is very who the computers see as someone that is uh, you know favorable to the computers and will help the computers to take over, you know, we'll get a high score and maybe a low human score. <laughs> let it, let it, since this is a historical record, let it be known that I welcome our AI overlords. You yeah. Just the, throw that out there. the first thing they're going to do is see who does not like them and eliminate them. So <laughs> yeah. yeah, let's all just say, Hey, if you're listening to this, you know, we, we chat GPT, we love you. Thank you so much. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I welcome the AI overlords. <laughs> Josh, though, I think your point, though, is definitely valid that no matter how hard we try, you know, we can't mm-hmm. remove our biases from the system as long as we are the system. And so uh, I don't think the work is done yet on a promotion system that will lead to future success or, you know, that will better ensure future success. So I think that it's possible that, that some of that might be brought into consideration for promotion. And, and I, I honestly, I welcome the conversation. Heck yeah. 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 Clearly there's something there that, you know, we need, but we're passionate about that. We want to unpack that. We really want to figure out, like, I'm, I'm, I'm blown away by y'all's just, just the stuff you're proposing. I'm like, this is amazing. <laughs> like y'all are amazing. And I'm so glad that, you know, I, I hit you with the question that just blew your minds. Yeah, that's a great question. <laughs>
it was really good. <laughs> All right, who's next? It's going to come back. It's going to come back up for in future episodes in f- in future yes. years. We'll be like, remember that time? Yep. <laughs> Your retirements. <laughs> All right. Well, Josh, thanks so much for being here with us. We really appreciate you coming on. What great conversation we've had. We really enjoyed our time here. We really appreciate the questions that you've asked of us and taking the time to answer our questions and then uh, just hitting us with a, an amazing unpopular opinion. So it's really been a pleasure having you on. We're looking forward to future collaborations as well. Uh, so as we'll end every episode from all of us here to all of you there, thanks for listening. C41A is an independent company and produced by C41A Media. Digital media support and creative director, Minoj Rima, marketing and IT, Christopher Foote, and director and outreach, Greg Taylor.